0: Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written and performed by Black creatives from all over the world. This week, old lovers are reunited. But before we move on to ghoulish desires, I want to take a moment to say thanks to our newest patrons, Amy and Tia. If you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes and help us pay a living wage to everyone who works to bring these stories to you, just go to nightlightpod.com legion to join the Nightlight Legion and get a shout out on the podcast plus occasional bonus content. You can also make a one-time donation to support us at nightlightpod.com donate. And don't forget, Nightlight merch is available and you can support us by sporting Nightlight branded gear. Just go to merch.nightlightpod.com to get your t-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, and more. Now sit back, turn out the lights, and enjoy The Way. Written by Lindsay Ellis and narrated by Sheree Stewart.
1: 2021. Carmen heard Eugene's blood under the bounce music, faint but clear, offbeat and backward flowing like a river defying its natural current. She pulsed with joy and angst under the hot lights dazzling the stage. The tips of her ears burned as they grew and grazed her wig. New fangs cut into her gums like broken glass. Determined not to panic, Carmen pressed her spine into the floor and arched her back to the rhythm of the beat. She stretched her legs out towards the strip club ceiling before rolling onto her hands and knees. She pushed her tongue out until it touched her chin. The glands on it throbbed and hardened, reaching for Eugene's scent under the tinge of cigar smoke, alcohol, chicken batter, baby powder, sweat, sex, and urine. But she found nothing. Eugene was hiding himself careful not to reveal too much too soon. Carmen jumped to her feet and gripped the pole with her hands. She looked over her shoulder into the blur of patrons' faces behind her. She circled her hips and thrust her butt into the air before dropping it low. When her thighs were level with her calves, she bent forward and rolled up again. The patrons' explosion of applause brought Carmen more time to survey her audience. Smiling, she crawled to the end of the stage and twisted into her signature spread-eagle position, stiffening as hands and dollar bills met her skin. She sniffed the room with her tongue again, searching, searching. Still no Eugene. Couldn't let that demon out again, Onyx beamed at Carmen as she downed the rest of her cocktail and readjusted her rhinestone bra. I did all right," Carmen said, removing the last wad of cash from her underwear. She handed the dollars to Skunk, who sprayed each bill with water before ironing it flat. The dressing room, smoky from black and mild cigars and sandalwood incense, made it harder to sniff out Eugene. Carmen could still hear his blood beating like a broken drum in her ears, but to track his whereabouts, she needed to smell him. She was growing impatient with his games. Why had he come for her if he wasn't ready? All right, Onyx batted her eyes. Don't ever dance after me again, okay? You can't hear the crowd out there salivating. Carmen laughed, not at her colleague's humor, but because she actually could hear the club's patrons salivating, lips licking and teeth grinding. Hater, Skunk winked at Carmen and placed the crisp dollar bills in the money counter cat onyx said it ain't weird putting turn into body arts mvp overnight she never need no red bull or coffee or any of that shit to keep up her energy i never seen her with a pimple or a blemish since she's been working here she brushed her hand over carmen's cheekbone and then on her bare thigh look at that not a scar no sagging skin shit the way it's going i'm gonna need a whole new body before my 21st birthday it's called rest and h2o carmen lied tch Onyx threw her head back and laughed. Yeah, okay. Sometimes I wonder if you're even human. Carmen grinned, eyeing herself in one of the dressing room's large mirrors. She liked this body. It was tall, with meaty thighs and big breasts. She was comforted by the colors of its soul. Fluid but strong, with feelers that easily picked up on the nuances of the world she navigated, blending them with secrets of the past lives she once lived. 1856, when Eugene came, it rained so hard in the graveyard, the worms refused to stay in the dirt. They emerged from the earth in droves, squirming over Carmen as she squatted under her favorite cedar tree near the headstones. She paid them no mind. Her focus stayed on the man in front of the mausoleum. Since morning, he'd circled the building, seemingly in deep mourning, unfazed by the long storm. The way his broad shoulders slouched and the slow, deliberate pace of his steps told Carmen he was mourning. Who or what he was grieving, she didn't know. This cemetery only housed the lowly, which made it easier for Carmen to dwell and feast. No one cared what happened to poor folks, especially when they were already dead. But this man, with his fancy clothes and shaved face, seemed above the area. His chimney soot skin and the shock of thick, woolly hair on his head didn't indicate he was a field hand or vagabond. There was a chesty air about him. Even in his sorrow, he moved like a free man. Eventually, he fell prostrate into the wet earth. He lay in the mud for hours, only moving to change positions as he slept. Carmen waited and watched. After her pack was beheaded by grave robbers, she'd spent centuries living in this graveyard alone, feasting on the corpses of peasants, prisoners, slaves, outcasts, and lost travelers. Most were already dead when they arrived, and the small few who came in breathing were quick, easy prey. But something about this sleeping stranger made Carmen cautious, almost shy, about approaching him. There was a spark in his aura that touched more than just her physical hunger. This, she knew, was worth taking her time. Just before dawn, it rained again. The man woke up and leaned against the side of the mausoleum. His strong jawline was a black silk sheet unfolding against the soggy morning's backdrop. His fingernails sparkled in the moonlight. Raindrops settled in the dip of his neck between his collarbone and the chest hair sprouting from his unbuttoned collar. A merciless depth of feeling gripped Carmen Everything about this man's essence reminded her of the devotion she'd had for her pack. The sacred bond that grew between them as they mastered the way together and comforted each other on their journeys. Carmen's tongue, heavy with acid, grew firm as porcelain in her mouth. She swallowed, trying to keep her cool as fangs inched through her gums. Her face widened until the skin around her mouth ripped, and she belched a stream of saliva in the man's direction. Burning flesh filled her snout. The rain's whispers hushed the offbeat throb of blood reversing inside the fallen body as Carmen approached it, eager to settle into a new chapter. 2021. Okay, you got me. I'm not human. Yeah? Onyx sat forward, eyebrows raised. What are you? Carmen held her breath and pointed at the t-shirt Onyx had just pulled over her head. The orange caption, worn and cracked, but still legible, read, In a world of vampires, be a ghoul. I'm a ghoul. Get the fuck out. No, really. I live in the graveyard across from the club and eat corpses. Explains a lot, skunk-handed Carmen, her share of tips. That's why we never see you take a lunch break. Can I come stay with you? Onyx asked. If Duke's ass keeps raising the house fees, I'll be one homeless bitch, but I'd still rather have a ghoul for a roommate before I go back to telemarketing. Not in that graveyard, said Skunk. Duke's got more money than God, but he too thick-headed to pay for the proper upkeep. Spots full of weeds and rats, busted headstones everywhere and shit. I doubt anybody that's croaked in the last decade has been buried over there. I heard it was already beyond repair when he first built body art, Onyx said. That cemetery's been here since the Civil War, right? Long before that. He should be trying to preserve it for our ancestors' sake. They did. I doubt they care. So, Puddin', you gonna let me crash with you? Can't, Carmen pointed at her colleague's third homemade sunrise. Duke know how hard you going tonight. Duke can kiss my stretch marks. His old dollar bill from the Players Club wannabe ass. Old iceberg slim wannabe ass, Skunk chimed in. Tell it. Onyx tilted her glass in Skunk's direction. Oh, I pledge allegiance to you GK-looking ass. (laughs) Seriously. Skunk handed Carmen her portion of the earnings and locked the leftover bills in the cubby underneath her desk. Why? Why what? Onyx asked. Why be a ghoul like your shirt says? She asked. Carmen held her breath. This would be good. She wanted to ask Onyx about her obsession with darkness and death and creatures for a while but never found a way to do it without sounding suspicious or resentful. Vampires, Carmen knew, were mythical and overrated, at least in the Hollywood-ish garlic-and-steak-through-the-heart sense. The lifetimes she'd spent feasting and existing in different bodies showed her that some humans were the real bloodsuckers. People like Duke, who capitalized off powerful men's thirst for broke underage girls, and all the way back to Carmen's owner, Mistress Ida a woman who was blacker than a moonless sky and favored her so much that people often mistook them for sisters if they didn't know better. Most victims, unable or unwilling to see the source of their psychic injury, turned to worshiping fake, well-to-do monsters that gave them entertainment and relief. It was a charade, the whole deal. So seeing ghouls being referenced positively touched Carmen more than she let on. Vampires feed off humans, onyx said but ghouls are scavengers so they typically feed off corpses typically skunk raised her eyebrows skeptical yeah said onyx they're harmless unless provoked by the living or they might strike if they see a person whose body they want to possess they're shapeshifters i still don't get why that's admirable listen said onyx ghouls are the most underrated super predators because they are not at the mercy of people everybody knows vampires like parasites emotion drainers or our shitty exes are the high key villains who depend on human blood for survival but ghouls are low-key powerful and dangerous they do what they want when they want lurking in the same graveyard for ages nobody sees them coming because we all too busy worrying about vampires pretty badass don't vampires ghoulify the ghouls Carmen asked yes so Carmen sat forward in her chair She hoped she seemed eager to learn and not ready to argue. She didn't want to put Onyx on the defensive. So doesn't that mean ghouls are still dependent on vampires? If they need vampire blood to keep their powers. As it was, talk of vampire blood brought back a terrifying crave. A thirst Carmen realized she hadn't outgrown. Here it was again, an invisible fist pushing its way up her chest cavity. She hated how it weakened her. She couldn't stand remembering the ounce of Mistress Ida's blood that she kept in a vial, just in case. Not really, said Onyx. From what I've read, a ghoul can survive on doses of blood from the vampire who turned it into a ghoul. But if it doesn't want to be kept under the thumb of a vampire, it chooses to eat corpses instead. Dead meat don't give it the same stamina as vampire blood, so it just switches to different bodies to keep its strength. But what if ghouls can't find any dead bodies? Carmen asked. You kidding, right? Look around you. They're literally... Onyx flung her arm out in the direction of the graveyard across the street. Every damn where? Dead folk's always gonna be a thing. But what if they weren't anymore? asked Carmen. What if people started living longer? How long do you think ghouls could go without feasting? She bit her bottom lip to keep it from trembling. It crushed her to think of Eugene's state the last time she saw him. A day didn't go by without her wondering if he survived after all that happened, and under what conditions. A long time, probably, Onyx said. How'd you know it was called feasting, huh? The girl looked at Carmen intently. You asked how long ghouls could go without feasting. How'd you know that's what it's called? Something you're not telling us. Oh, Lord, she's an undercover goth head, too, Skunk said under her breath. I can't take two of y'all in one sitting. What? No. (laughs) Carmen forced a laugh. Look, really. What nonsense we talking here? I'm out. Catch y'all later. The backpack Carmen hurled over her shoulder was large but light, carrying nothing but air. No clothes, no shoes, no accessories. When she got to the graveyard, she'd make it disappear like she always did until it was time for her next shift. Duke texted, Skunk said. You got a private dance request. I don't do those. He knows that. "'You do tonight. This one's special.'" By special, skunk meant someone with real money, who Duke probably owed a favor. Carmen couldn't see why she had to be in on the payoff. She was a good dancer, but her routines weren't exceptional. It wasn't like Duke to volunteer her when he had better options. Mercedes, Glitz, Snowblack, Black, Thick Darcy, Raven, who were far more creative and agile. Dancers who were risk-takers and okay with giving more than a lap dance. "'I'll do it,' Onyx said. "'What he into?' No, you won't. Skunk found a used joint in an ashtray and lit it with a match. He wants pudding. Carmen rolled her eyes and slouched in her chair. She needed to appear annoyed, but inside she was gleeful. Finally, Eugene was ready to show himself. Anyway, Skunk puffed on the lit roach and exhaled. Back to these ghouls. Where you find this shit, Onyx? And why get a hunch you believe it? The girl removed a book in her collection from her personal drawer and flipped through the pages. See for yourself. She pointed to a photo of a gray, scaly mass crouching over a cemetery's headstone. The creature's pointed ears protruded from a swollen head. Its eyes were black stones, and its limbs resembled gnarled tree branches. Ooh, and their spit, Onyx said, her eyes lighting up. It's poison. That's how they prey on people whose bodies they live in. Sounds fascinating. Carmen said dryly, pretending to yawn, she headed for the restroom to freshen up. It wasn't serving her to entertain what she already knew, not when her other half was so close. 1856 Eugene's first feast took forever. He didn't like being what he was, and it showed from the moment he bore his first set of fangs. Knobby limbs, bad breath, and leathery wings. The worst part for him was getting used to the phlegm. He was a horrible shooter, always missing his target regardless of its size or the detail in Carmen's instruction. Several times she grew impatient with him and lost her temper. Had it really been this hard for her to catch on when she transitioned? She couldn't remember. The pack who helped train her once she'd escaped Mistress Ida were long gone. Trying to summon that part of her was painful and for that, Carmen hated Eugene even more. But she also loved him dearly. In so many ways, they'd rescued each other. Despite being a slow learner, Eugene had saved her from spending the rest of this lifetime alone still possessing the body of a blood-sucking plantation owner's slave. And Carmen had saved him, a bootblack who'd purchased his own freedom so he could reunite with his family, only to learn of his wife and children's lynching days later. She couldn't imagine a world without Eugene if he hadn't come to the graveyard that night. Rushing into him, Carmen bit his shoulder, and after he passed out from shock, she fetched the flesh of a corpse and force-fed Eugene when he woke up. Then they sat for hours, skin to skin, and back to back, gazing into the star-studded sky as their souls kissed. Weeks later, Eugene still hadn't feasted on his own. He was growing weaker by the day, and Carmen knew he wouldn't last much longer if he failed to get it right. She considered giving him a drop of Mistress Ida's blood as a boost, but she didn't know how he'd take to it. Just one taste of the powerful fluid could control him to the point of being nearly impossible to wean him off. I can't feel my tongue, Eugene said, kneeling behind a tombstone. Next to him, Carmen peered across the street at the merchant slumped over his wagon's wheel in front of his store. Hordes of flies swarmed over his body. Fresh corpses were gold. If Eugene messed this up, Carmen wouldn't let the findings go to waste. In her peripheral vision, she noticed a film of green spilling from the sides of her partner's widening mouth. His massive claws went over his face in an attempt to catch the phlegm. "'Concentrate! You can do this!' Carmen hissed. Eugene's breathing grew coarse and turned into deep rasps. Carmen heard the sound of a cloak breaking in the wind as he stretched out his wings. In one quick movement, he flew over the gravestone and tore off the side of the wagon, gulping the body whole. There wasn't supposed to be screaming. A long, muffled wail traveled through the darkness, piercing Carmen before she realized the sound was coming from Eugene. She flapped her wings open, ready to take flight in his direction, when she noticed him clawing at something in the air. A huge net drawing over his form. The trap dragged him across the ground and scooped him into the back of a carriage filled with armed men. Heart busted. Carmen lowered her wings and ducked behind the headstone. She watched the wagon roar off into the night, paralyzed with dread against the grave's cold, hard surface. 2021 Upstairs, the private room was dingy but quiet. Carmen eyed the shadow slouching in a corner booth, tucked away from the flashing LED lights. The fiery, wild smell of Eugene's blood underneath his cologne made her queasy with excitement. A mess of nerves and emotion, she felt like an elevator plunging down, bracing herself for a crash that wouldn't come. This wasn't real. Did Eugene really exist outside her memory? Was she really here? Were they really doing this? I see you didn't have to humble this one. The shadow's full, deep voice splashed through Carmen. At its root, she tasted the lava lodged in the back of his throat, tart and thick but lukewarm from not being used in a while. What's her name? Eugene asked. Puddin'. Jesus, I mean her real name. I don't know. I still go by Carmen to keep things simple. Carmen, Eugene repeated. He sat forward and crossed his legs. Divine, I've always liked how that name sits in the mouth. And his? Carmen asked pointing at the shadow. Suddenly exhausted, she backed against the door's frame. The energy between her and Eugene was an electric current zapping and clouding her. To lessen its control, she focused on the beat of an old-school bounce record that was her colleague Glitz's signature song. As it purred through the other side of the glass frame, she needed the quick distraction to gather herself. She wanted to savor every trace, every angle, every move, every zeptosecond of her and Eugene sharing the space to atone for the time they'd missed together. What's he look like to you? Eugene asked, leaning into the room's flashing lights. Carmen peered at a middle-aged man with fair skin dressed in Gucci loafers and a fitted green short-sleeved shirt that exposed tattoos on his muscular arms. His face, stony and haggard, still had a youthful glow that he downplayed with a fixed scowl. It doesn't matter, she said. It doesn't? Nope. Carmen tucked a piece of hair behind her ear, tensing at the uncertainty in her own voice. All these years in Eugene could still make her feel insecure. She saw he'd maintained his prestige and influence. Regardless of the era or the body, she was always going to be miles behind him, When she found Eugene in the graveyard that day, Carmen only saw a person in deep, irreparable pain. His fragile light called to her, reminding her of who she was before she was shown the way. A spirited woman, ripped by the loneliness of knowing she'd never find the family she'd lost on an auction block. A slave who found relief in wishing her blood relatives were dead instead of breathing and somehow moving on without her but Carmen's hunger for Eugene kept her from seeing how their two worlds were never destined to align. His role as a free man in society had anchored him in an entitlement that was still lost on her. When Carmen switched from house slave to sharecropper, she imagined Eugene choosing to live in a carpenter's body. When she was a laundress, he could have been a minister. When she was the bus driver, he was probably a dentist. When she was a secretary, he could have been a partner at a firm like the one that employed her and now he was one of the successful businessmen in Duke's shady circle who expected Carmen merely a stripper to satisfy his needs for the next few hours. Looks like this one needs Botox, she said, chin lifted. Probably, Eugene uncrossed his legs, but everything's working, so a little luck's on my side. Right, for now. Let me show you. Eugene stood and looked into Carmen's eyes, His waist and legs seemed too thin for his broad chest and shoulders. Let you show me, she repeated. He grinned, exposing the diamond grill on his bottom teeth. What's her favorite song? He asked, picking up the remote control to the room's stereo. Seething, Carmen didn't answer. Here she was, waiting and suffering through whole lifetimes to reunite with Eugene, only to be patronized and treated like a toy a fool who should be beside herself with desire because he was going to show her all she was missing and more. Would she have to remind him that she taught him everything he knew? She was the one who'd once been his guide, showing him the way, how to groom, target, and feast. Without her, he never would have known how to survive on his own. Relax, love. The warmth of Eugene's breath in Carmen's ear unfastened her. Every angry thought dissolved as she tasted the whiskey over the ropes of fuming liquid hidden in his tongue. Carmen let herself be led to the foot of her lover's booth. Together, they sat on the floor and leaned their backs against each other's until she felt their souls kissing, like old times. He was ready to feast, not by himself, but as the team they were once again becoming.
0: Thanks again to our patrons for supporting this podcast. Because of your support, listeners around the world get creepy tales in their ears every other week. If you want new stories every week, the only way for that to happen is to join the Nightlight Legion by going to nightlightpod.com legion. You can also make a one-time donation via PayPal at nightlightpod.com donate. If you're unable to support us financially, word of mouth is the next best way to help. Give us a shout out on social media at NightlightPod or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Ransom Podcasts. Reviews are also a huge help, so be sure to leave a few kind words on your podcast platform of choice. Audio production for this episode by Davis Walden. Join us next time and be sure to leave your nightlight on. You never know what might be following you in the dark.